You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. We want to adopt a few different things as a whole church um, as our model moving forward, okay? And so we've talked about the Elizabeth House, we've talked about uh, reaching to uh, international students on campus. Um, we've talked about, what else have we talked about? I can't remember. Jackie, where, what, what am I forgetting? I think maybe that's it. Next week, we're going to talk about a little free pantry. And today, I brought Jen up front to talk about this ministry called Zateo. So Jen, tell us what Zateo is. Hi, good morning, everyone. I brought a notebook. Um, There's no shame in that. I got notes too, right here. (laughs) So I'll probably be reading out this a little bit. Um, So Sateo community, first off, I just want to say what Sateo means. It means I seek, I pursue in Greek. And so I just think that's a really beautiful, beautiful thing to start with on just what Sateo community is. Um, So it's a group of Christians from various churches and organizations around Dane County united in serving women who have been sex trafficked and exploited by providing long-term residential programming in a supportive community so they can encounter the transformational love of God. And their desire is to provide a way for them to thrive and dream. Yeah. So um, Zateo is really seeking to engage with those that are trafficked or have Mm -hmm. been trafficked, right? And surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, um, I didn't before I got to know the leader of Zateo, I didn't know that that was a real problem in our city. Mm-hmm. And it is. It's a problem in many cities and probably even small towns too, right? Yeah, definitely. So there's a lot of prostitution happening in Madison. So it's not just like what you see in the news and stuff. It's also Zateo would be helping women who are... Um, being like who are in prostitution. And it's not just the women that Zateo is making these residential homes, but it's also women and their children, which is like huge and groundbreaking, like in the United States and across the country, because like it'll be one of the first places that open up where children are accepted. So a lot of times women don't leave their situation because they have children and they don't know what to do with their children then. Um, so this will be, there'll be a safe space for women to be with their children and um, just like live there and receive love and help with the trauma that they've been through. Yeah, so Zateo is one of these ministries that we want to come alongside. We're going to try to come alongside as a church, and Jen is going to help lead us in that. Um, Jen, what are some of the needs right now that the Vine can come alongside and help Zateo with? Yeah, yeah. So the land was just purchased. And so there, I think it was in May it was purchased. So they're really working on the design of the homes on the land. And that's taking a little bit because they want to make sure that they're providing enough like for occupancy. um, And then just like the layout for the women and their children and the home that's just the women. Um, so it's just taking a little bit for the design, but once the design is done, um, they're going to start building and they're going to try to do that as soon as possible. And so they're going to be looking for a lot of volunteers to come alongside them in like clearing out. It's like beautiful. There's a lot of acres. And so they're going to have horses and a pool because, um, there's, you know, therapy and with horses and 
other just like activities. And so um, they also want to clear out a lot of brush for hiking trails um, that are on the property. And uh, they have some vision for that. Um, so it sounds like there's some needs with just manual labor. Yes. In, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the coming weeks, months, right? Yes. Yeah. Because the whole idea is a residential home mm -hmm. to be a, a place of refuge and growth for these women that have suffered so much. Yeah. Yep. And so we'll keep you posted on like the work day for those. And, and that's going to be like, if you want to bring your family with you, um, they had like a mini work day a couple, like a couple months ago yeah. on the land and people came with their children and it's a, it's a really beautiful thing to have your children there too, to helping with this. Amen. Um, and then also they need fundraisers to help with funds to complete the vision. So if anybody like has ideas on ways that we could come alongside them and fundraisers and raise money, please feel free to slack me. I've, um, yeah, yeah, and I think we'll be working together on thinking of things. And she has some ideas. Marlene um, is the leader of this, and so she has some ideas on ways that churches can come alongside them and fundraise. Um, yeah. They are thinking of doing, like, a spring, like, dinner type thing, and so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and then people to bring, like, to build awareness of trafficking in our own city so, like, just, like, getting up to date on what's going on in Madison and stuff. Um, I can provide, like, resources on that, and um, we can find out more about what's happening. And then also just being aware, like, if you're out and about and you, you know, it's just good to be aware on how we can help women if we come across them who are going through this. Yep. So we've got some merch in the lobby. Yes. Yes. Right? Um, should we grab one of those T-shirts? Hans, can you hear me? He's back there. Yeah, Ross, grab one of those shirts and bring it up. Yeah, there's um, shirts and hats and really cool coffee mugs and stuff that are like a suggestion of $15. And then you can just pay online in the donation tab. Give it up for Ross Brown, everyone. Come on. And yeah, Ross, bring that up here. Bring that up here. It's long sleeve, so it's perfect for the season coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a great way to just uh, come alongside this ministry even this morning if you want to give a donation. Uh, so help us help her. And uh, the logo on the back. So who's got a birthday today? <laughs> Somebody has to have a birthday today. Don't be shy. Who, who had a birthday this week? Y'all are being shy. I know you are. <laughs> Somebody did. No? Next week. I saw you first. Oh, there you go. Thanks for not being shy. Wear that shirt with, with pride. Um, so, Jen, the best way to get connected for what's going on with this is the Slack channel, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, like, another way that we could really um, come alongside them is prayer. And I was just, like, thinking through that this morning. And um, so prayer for the women and children who are walking through this now and that their hearts would be open to receiving God's love. Yep. After walking through trauma, it can be really, really hard to receive such a beautiful love. Um, so just think about the book Hosea and Gomer's story as well. Just like it could be hard to receive that love, but um, if we could just pray that they are open to receiving it. Um, and then also like during worship this morning, I feel like the Holy Spirit just like, reminded me to pray for the men and women who are trafficking 
these women, like yes. just to pray for their hearts and yep. that those chains would be broken for them as well. Amen. And that they could um, just like turn away from, turn away from that and to just become like a voice for Jesus um, and that their hearts would be open. Amen. Amen. Well, just as a reminder, we're asking all Vine members to pick one of these. So we'd love for all of you to at least have one of these on your Slack feed so that communication can happen, whether it's mission to internationals, whether it's Zateo, whether it's Elizabeth House, Elizabeth House whether it's um, Little Free Pantry. Um, so dial that in on your Slack feed so you can stay in communication. That's the best way for next steps, okay? Why don't we pray? Is that, is that yeah. fair? Yeah. How, how about you pray for us? Oh. All right. Or you want me to instead? I can try. You can do it. We believe in you, Jen. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do. Thank you for um, prompting our hearts to want to connect with you in this way and to help um, and to open our eyes and our hearts to these women and children who are walking through this and that our hearts would just turn to you, Lord, and our um, eyes would stay on you through this and that... um, if our hearts are being prompted to serve in this way, that we would be obedient and lean into that. Um, just want to pray for the women and children who are walking through this right now, that their hearts would be turned towards you and that they would be open to receiving the beautiful, gracious love that you give and that their chains would be broken like we sang in worship this morning and that that would become their song, that their chains are just broken and they're set free in you, Lord, and that they can just... Um, just receive you, Lord. And so we also want to pray for the men and women who are trafficking um, these these women, that they would turn to you, Lord, and that they would know you deeply and that they would turn away from the, the way that they're living right now and that they would um, become a place of safety and refuge like they're called to be for these women and children and that they would um, lead other men and women to that as well, to you, and that yeah, we just thank you, Lord, and thank you for this opportunity that we have as the Vine Church to serve in this way. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jen, so much. Give her a hand. So, Jen, I think we'll be back by the merch uh, after the service. If you have any questions, um, grab a shirt, grab a hat, grab a brochure just to get more information, and I would love to do that. All right, so if you have a Bible, open it up to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews, if you're not familiar with your Bible, that's totally cool. Um, Hebrews is toward the back. It's uh, right before the book of James and First and Second John and Revelation and Jude. Um, we're in a vision series, and a lot of you, I see so many new faces, and we're so thankful for that this morning. It's so encouraging. Uh, we want to say welcome to you. Um, and we, every year, do a series where we go through these core words that you find on the wall that's kind of central to who we are as a church, that we orbit around the gospel, and the gospel always the good news of what Jesus Christ has done in history uh, and the implications that has for us always leads us into community. That's what church is. That's what our small groups are, and that we're not just a Christian cul-de-sac, but we are to be outwardly focused and seeking to make disciples among neighbors and nations through declaration and demonstration. And so we're just unpacking that every year. And throughout the year, we drip that, that vision throughout lots of different things. Um, and today, we're talking about community. Last week, we talked about what's one of the facets of the gospel 
And we really unpack that. I encourage you to listen to that on the website if you haven't. And today, we're talking about community. Why is community a big deal? And just so you know, uh, like we did last week, we're going to continue to do some Q&A. If you can scan that barcode right now on your phone, it will take you to a site where you can ask a question. And if we have time, I'll answer a couple questions at the end. And you can bookmark that on your phone, uh, whatever your web browser is, so you don't have to do this every week. Um, but we like to take questions and interact with questions after the sermon as we have time. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 12. I love documentaries. I love miniseries, um, especially those that are true to real life. And one of my favorite um, dramatizations of real life in a series is the World War II series called The Band of Brothers. And it came out probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. If you haven't seen it, highly recommended. You can find it on lots of different streaming services. Ten-part series that's true-to-life scenarios of what it was like for some men in the Air Force or the Navy uh, during World War II. It's powerful. It's very, very well done. And at the end of each episode... The, the, the real men that are being dramatized in this series talk. They, at the time this was filmed, they were still alive. And I'll never forget what one interview, what he said that struck me. He said this. He said, there were times when we were in those foxholes together. The intensity and pressure of the war was so deep. We were together. I felt closer to those men at that time and even to this day, in some sense, than even my own wife. That struck me. The point is, when you're in the middle of a war, you need each other. And the reality of the war binds you together. The intensity and severity of the war draws you together. When there's bullets whizzing over your head and bombs shaking the ground around you, when you're up against the wall, when you're pressed to the point that you might snap, you have to be together. You have to have somebody next to you, right? And here's the reality that everyone in this room has to wake up to. That we are in a war. Now, you, you might not feel that experientially, but we have to let the Bible define our experience. Our experience does not define the Bible. Did you catch that? We have to let the Bible define our experience. We are in a war. Look, what, what does the Bible say in Ephesians chapter 6? It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So there's a spiritual war actually happening right now, whether we're aware of it or not. And to the degree that we're cognizant of this, we'll fight this fight of faith as serious as soldiers in a foxhole together in World War II. And what that means is community. 
What that means is we take our relationships really seriously because the stakes are high. We're in a war. So that leads us to our text. And this is Hebrews 3, 12, and 13. Let me just read it for you, and then we're going to slowly unpack it. Hebrews 3, 12, and 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So what's the context here? This is an ancient document, 2,000 years old or so, written to actual people in history, somewhere in the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago. And we know from the whole context of the book of Hebrews that this is a persecuted church. And most scholars believe that at this time in history, most likely Nero was the emperor of Rome. And if any of you have studied world history or Roman history, you know that Nero was a crazy guy. He was nuts. He was a horrible leader. And he was known as the first Roman emperor who enjoyed persecuting Christians. It's probably around A.D. 60, somewhere in there. And we know that the audience of this letter, of the, book, of the author of the book of Hebrews, we know that they're, they're a persecuted group. Why? Because he says things about that all throughout the letter. He says things like, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Not yet resisted to the point. Like, it could be coming. Or that you're visiting one another in prison. Or that we know that your property is being plundered. He says that in different places throughout the book of Hebrews. So this is a severe situation. you got a church full of people who are being persecuted and they're feeling that war, literally. That's the book of Hebrews. That's the context for this verse. Okay? And the problem is people are flirting with the idea of just saying Christianity is too hard. It's too hard. The pressure is too intense. I'd rather give up. And they're renouncing their faith in Jesus. That's the backdrop of our text. And so much of the book of Hebrews is about saying, guys, listen, it's worth it. Don't give up. Jesus is better. He's worth it. And so we have to understand that's what's going on in the background to make sense of this text. So let's do that now. Let's walk through this. Look at verse 12 with me. He starts by saying, take care, brothers, and by implication, sisters. What does it mean to take care? It means be watchful, be on guard, take note, be aware, be alert, right? Now, a lot of you in the room are parents, and we know what that feels like to kind of always want to know where your kids are, right? Like, we've got four kids. It's not as intense now as they're teenagers. But I remember when they're little, it's like head on a swivel. we got four of them. We're going to the mall. Like, I would say to them sometimes, like, your job is to know where I am because I can't always know where y'all are, you know, running around, whatever. 
Like, your job is to know where mommy and I are at all times, right? But parents can relate to that feeling of where are my kids? Like, the scariest time, one of the scariest times in our parenting lives is when you feel like you've lost a kid. And my poor wife, every time this has happened, I've been out of town. Every time a kid's gone to the ER, I'm out of town. I don't know what the Lord is trying to teach. Maybe that I'm just not necessary, but like, or I don't know. It, it's been strange. But the first time, I think this was the first time, um, our oldest son, Taylor, he was probably three at the time, and Kim was probably doing something with baby Autumn, and she comes out of the bedroom or whatever, changing a diaper, and Taylor's just gone. She's gone. And she doesn't know what to do. And, like, I can't be reached. I'm on the road doing music stuff. and So she's freaking out. And I don't even know how the story resolved, but all I know is how I know how, uh, how Taylor got in the situation. He just walked out the front door, went next door, and we were friends with the people that lived next door. So it wasn't a big deal. But the mom asked Taylor, does your mom know that you are here? He says, yup. <laughs> nope. That information had not been shared, right? So in light of things that, like that that happen, we're always aware. Like we're, we're, we're dialed in like a mama bear in the forest knowing where her cubs are, right? That's a good way of, of, of understanding what the author of Hebrews is saying when he says, take care. It's like you're watching, you're alert, you're looking out for, you're scanning, right? And notice that brothers is in the plural, sisters is in the plural. It's this interwoven web of collective taking care. What does that mean? What does that, what does that look like, an interwoven web of taking care? It means community, right? It means community. Like we're doing this together. We all have this mutual overlapping mindset for one another. That's what he's shooting for, for them and for us, right? It cuts the heart out of American individualism. You feel that? It's not just me and myself. It's us. That's the default mindset. Well, the, then the next question becomes, okay, author of Hebrews, why? Why? Why are we supposed to have this hypervigilant, like a mom at the park that wants to keep track of her kids? Why? Well, because there's a real threat, right? There's a real threat. We're in a war, remember? Let's keep reading. Take care, brothers, lest, here's the why, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. So why? Why do we take care of each other? Why are we in community? Why are we on alert for each other, forsaking independence, individualism? Because there's a, there's a real potential for an unbelieving heart in all of us. That's the threat that he wants this first audience and us to watch out for, an evil unbelieving heart. We're in a war, and you might not feel like a war, uh, like bullets whizzing over your head kind of war, but it's a spiritual war for our souls. And what that means is it's a war of belief. 
what is the nature of ultimate reality? Like, did Jesus really die for my sins to take away the wrath of God from me as my perfect substitute? Yes or no? Like, is that true or is it not? Did Jesus really rise from the dead in space, time, and history to prove it's all true? Yes or no? Is he going to return one day and make all things right and all the injustice in your life that you experience will one day somehow be made right? Is that true? Yes or no? Do I have a heavenly father who loves me and promises to keep me eternally? Yes or no? Like, that's the war of belief that all of us can experience, right? Is it true or is it not? Is Jesus worth it or or not? Like, that's the war of belief. The consequences for these guys back then were were much different than what we experienced because Nero is lighting Christians on fire in his garden just to, to have light in his palace. That's the battle that rages around us. It's so tempting to say, no, it's not true. Forget it, especially when the heat's on like they were experiencing. Now, can you imagine that kind of heat? It doesn't happen for us very often. It happens in this world today still, around the world. Can you imagine having that kind of heat and not being together, not being united, not having someone in the foxhole with you? Because the author of Hebrews is saying this war of belief is real. There is the potential for an evil, unbelieving, see that war of belief, unbelieving heart. We see it in the rest of the text. Let's take a look. Keep reading with me. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an unbelieving, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. I've lived long enough to see that now happen where people have walked with us and they've communicated they're strong in their faith and today they would no longer say that they're a Christian. They've fallen away from the living God. It's it's a real thing. He's not just shooting his mouth off 2,000 years ago. Like this is a real thing. It's frightening. It, rat, it rattles you. So the author here, let's summarize, has told us that we have to be on guard. We have to be aware. We have to be rejecting rugged individualism and have a communal mindset that cares for one another. Why? Because the eternal spiritual threat is real. Okay, so now that's kind of the, the negative side. Now he tells us a little more positive. How do we do this? How are we supposed to go about taking this seriously? What should this look like in our lives? Great question. Let's look at the text. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But, verse 13, exhort one another every day. Now, I want to focus on this word. Look at it, exhort. Another translation, the NIV says, encourage. 
okay? And the sense here is encourage, exhort, appeal, comfort, console. So it's like a warm encouragement. It's a warm speaking to bring a life, okay? In light of the threat of unbelief, in light of this war that rages around us, there's something for us to do. What, what is he calling us to do? What's the verb? Exhort slash encourage. Speak words of life to remind ourselves what the truth is. Say, okay, great. That's great. But you might be sitting there thinking, well, how, how am I supposed to do that? Like, that might not be my default setting. Like, that might be hard for me. That's okay. I'm going to give you some practical suggestions. So exhort, encourage. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be thinking about somebody else, and I'm going to think about how can I encourage them, uplift them, exhort them, that's connected to the truth of God's word. Okay? That's important. This isn't just random, like, you know, go get them, tiger. You know, it's, it's like connected to the truth of God's word. That's where real encouragement lies. So I think two quick, easy ways, just there could be a hundred, but two quick, easy ways you can think about this is just make a practice or habit of asking this kind of simple question. How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Just as simple as that. And, and you'll be surprised at how quickly the conversation can go below the surface, which tends to bring depth in community. Right? How can I pray for you? It's a simple question. It's easy. Right? And then maybe, by faith, have the courage to actually do it in the moment. Right? Hey, can I pray for you? Yeah, here's what I want and I need prayer for. Hey, let's pray right now. Let's do that. Like, how beautiful would it be if every Sunday, before and after church, you'd see little pockets of people just, like, doing that with each other? And, man, if we saw that, this community would be so strong. It is strong. It would be even stronger. And after you pray with that person and you kind of hear their burden and you help bear it, like the Bible says in Galatians 6, maybe just say something. Like, just a reminder, a gentle reminder that's connected to God's word. This person's really struggling with worry about a job. And you can just say, you know what I've seen in my life? I've seen that God always provides. Just something simple like that. Right? Another way you can do this, super simple, super simple. As you, you know, a lot of us, we go throughout our day and we have random thoughts. And some of those thoughts are about people that we love or people that might be struggling or someone in your city group. As those thoughts come into your head, it might not just be a random thought. That might be the Holy Spirit prompting you. Why not just, everybody's got a smartphone these days. Just bust out your phone. Hey, text message, thinking about you. Just want you to know I'm praying for you. I love you, I'm for you, I'm with you. Boom, send it. 15 seconds of your day, that's all it took. And that was nothing for you in terms of the cost but the benefit to that other person might be more than you could ever imagine. Right? Like, well, oftentimes we'll think, yeah, I should reach out to so-and-so, and then we don't do it. Right? I'll get to it later. But then we don't. Right? 
I'm just as guilty as this. But just do it right then as that thought comes into your head. Just a little, little effort like that could, could potentially change somebody's life in ways you might not even expect, right? And here's the deal. This, this is so vital for us as Christians. In light of the truths of the gospel, that Jesus loves you, that he died for you, that he forgives you, that he knows you, if you, if you know that, if you trust that, if you've received that, you're free in Christ because he's loved you so profoundly, accepted you so deeply. You have a father who loves you so much. In light of this, we're free to lose the pretense, right? All of us walk around with a degree of pretense, posturing, a veneer. We're free to lose the pretense. You have, in light of the truth of the gospel, you have nothing to prove, you have nothing to lose, nothing to hide, nothing to defend. Like, we hear it said all the time, the cross, if you're Christian, the cross has already outed you. You had to admit that you're a sinner in need of saving, right? The cross has already outed us that we're a mess, Right? So you can lose the pretense. We don't have to be fake. So when someone comes to encourage you, hey, how's it going? And, they, and you know they mean it. Uh, and you just say, yeah, everything's fine. You don't have to say that. Now, of course, we want to take, take note of, like, context, discernment. Like, it, it's not always the right time to, like, get into some thing and, right? So that's for all of us to discern in the moment. But as a rule, man, we lose the pretense. You're free to let someone encourage, exhort you, and to put yourself out there and encourage and exhort someone else. You're free to do that in light of what Jesus has done for you. You got nothing to prove. You got nothing to lose. Nothing to hide, nothing to defend. Like, think about it like this. We live in light of the most encouraging news in the whole world, right? So we can do, we're free to do what verse 13 says. Look at it with me. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another, what does it say? Every day. He's trying to get people to band together, right? Because the stakes are high, the war is real, people are falling away. The church is fragile, especially back then. Say, don't give up. And he says, the repetition of your exhorting, the repetition of your encouraging is very important. Exhort one another every day. Like that repetition is intentional, right? It's not once in a while. It's every day. The, the assumption is, this is an assumption of how Christian community works to help us grow and to have perseverance. We encourage one another. Like it's just on my radar. Like, man, I show up to Citigroup. Who can I encourage here? 
I show up on Sunday morning, and who can I encourage her here? I run into someone at, at, at the grocery store. How, I wonder how I can encourage the, this person. Like, that's my default setting as a Christian. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Man, if we did that, and we are, but if we keep doing that and press into it even more, man, imagine how strong this community would be, right? We are well on our way to doing this verse, and, and I'm here just to remind us, let's keep doing it. Let's just keep going. Let's keep going, because it brings great glory to God and great joy to us in community. Let's finish with this. Take care, brothers, lest there be in, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Why? That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You just, this is another angle on the reality of the threat. Okay? Look at what it says. The deceitfulness of sin. Y'all know what it feels like to be deeply deceived? I had that happen to me recently. I got scammed out of $300 on Facebook Marketplace. And it's the first time that that's happened to me. Um, you know, like Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace now, you know, if you post something on there to sell, oftentimes you'll get these responses that are like blatantly obvious that it's a scam, right? Like, hey, I'll give you $100 more than you're asking. All you have to do is blah, 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 blah. Sometimes I get a little cheeky with these guys and I say, would you like my bank account routing number two? Maybe that's, how about my social security number? And so this time though, I mean, this guy was good. It was not obvious at all. We were going back and forth. Um, I was asking him questions about, I was buying some tools for my shop and, and he, asking questions about the tools he had. He had all these pictures. Usually with the scammers, they're not like going back and forth with you on, on the Facebook chat. And he was telling me about this and that, lots of details. And, and I mean, this guy was good. And I was like, this, nobody does that if they're scamming. Like this, this, is, this is unique to have this like long, detailed conversation. And so he wanted to take the payment off Facebook and I'm very, I mean, I'm not, I'm not super into the Facebook marketplace scene, but I was just trying it out. And I didn't know that if you leave Facebook website, you're not protected when you exchange money. You have to pay, just so you all know, when you do Facebook marketplace, you got to stay on the website to pay the money because then you're protected. He wanted me to go to a different website to pay. I paid once it went through, all conversation stops. And uh, I knew I had been scammed. And, and he, meant, he dude was slick. He knew what to say. He, he knew how to work me over. Here's the point. Scammers don't come out and say, here I am to deceive you. Here I am to rip you off. Here I am to scam you. That's not how it works. What is it predicated on? It's predicated on deception, right? Deception. It's deceptive. It's, it's sneaky. It's sly. It's subtle. That's what verse 13 is all about. 
That's what sin and Satan are all about. It's slick. It's sly. It's easy to believe. It's alluring. It's got a little sparkle to it. And that's what the author of Hebrews is saying. Why we need each other so much to point each other toward the truth of God's word is because the deceit is real. And we need one another another to come alongside each other and say, don't do it. Don't fall for it. Right? Like sin promises so much, it delivers so little. It has the potential to harden your heart, maybe hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What this means is if you keep persisting in sin, there's going to come a point where you might become unresponsive to the things of God. That's what hardening of your heart means in the Bible. Like no more ears to hear, no more eyes to see, blind, deaf to the truth of God. And that hardening can happen. It's very real. That should sober us. I've seen it. But the point is this. Sin is a scam. It offers so much. It delivers so little. And the author of Hebrews is saying, if we don't band together in community, live together, love together, fight for each other through words of life connected to God's word, we're so susceptible to deceit, to deception. It's easier than a Facebook marketplace scam. We have to live our Christian lives together because sin is so deceptive. Promises so much, delivers so little. Short-term feels good, long-term feels horrible. I need you guys to come alongside me and say, don't do it. It's not worth it. We need each other in that. You need someone next to you that says, hey, I know this is alluring, but you know that's a scam, right? And when they say that, usually we shouldn't, like, harden ourselves in defensiveness and say, who are you to tell me? Like, that's not Christian community, right? In general, we want to listen and receive. So the call this morning is, ultimately, would you take community seriously? Because the author of Hebrews seems to think, God's word tells us this morning that there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. We've seen that God's plan for his people for all time is to be vitally connected to one another. And for Christians, that means church. Church not as a function, but church as part of my identity. Who am I? People ask me who I am. Part of my answer is I am someone who belongs to this church. I don't just attend here. This isn't just like a function. This isn't just something on my calendar. It's part of who I am. I am a member of this community. Make sense? Church is not something I do. It's part of who I am. And that's what we call everyone to today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word that helps us so much that gives glory to you and, and, and has the potential to bring joy to us. 
Lord, would you help us live out this verse by the power of your spirit and by faith in your word? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. How might we suggest our, our congregation handle exhortation met with apathy from our Christian brothers? Like if we encourage our brothers continually, brothers and sisters, continually to pray and to be in community, but they are apathetic about it. Or we ask our brothers and sisters how we can pray for them and it's met with silence. Great question. I mean, there's really no, there's really no substitute for real relationship. And if I sense someone might be apathetic about this, I, I'm typically just inclined to ask, is there something more going on in your life? You know, it, you have to be gentle, of course, but, but to be honest in our gentleness, just something super simple like, is there something else going on in your life? It seems like maybe the, your heart is... Um, is leaning away from where it used to. Is that something we can talk about? You know, ultimately, if people don't want to talk about things, we, we can't force them to do that. But usually, that doesn't happen. Usually, most people um, are willing to talk if you if they know that you care, they know that you're willing to listen, right? They know that you're safe. Most people are willing to talk, and so. I think there's just no substitute from just asking the question. And I know a lot of us, it's hard to just ask the question like that. But you might be shocked at how much someone might appreciate somebody. They're not going to bring it out on their own, but if you ask them, they're willing to talk. And I, mean, I just think that's the essence of beautiful community. Is like I don't want us to just stay here on the surface, but I'm willing to take a risk by faith because I've got nothing to prove, lose, hide, or defend. To ask a question like that, it's okay. I mean, most people are dying for real community. And the problem is we've got these phones that give us faux community, right? But we're starving ourselves to death because it's not real. You were created for three-dimensional community, not two. And so you'd be surprised that if you show interest in someone and ask them how they're doing, or just feeling like, man, it feels like you've fallen away from where you used to be. Can we, can we talk about that, right? 90% of people are going to be willing, right? And if, and if you, they're the 10% and they're not willing, there's really nothing you can do about that, right, at that point. And so that's a really good question um, as just application for what we're doing here today.